0: Have to sign in Hebrew. If you don't want to sign it in Hebrew, don't sign it in Hebrew. Why? Because Jews have been doing stuff, religious stuff in the vernacular language for hundreds and thousands of years. Side note, you know that prayer, the Kaddish, okay, mourner's Kaddish, hatzi Kaddish, whatever. You could all be okay. That prayer's not even in Hebrew. It's it is in Hebrew letters, but it's in Aramaic. Because that was the vernacular at the time they came up with that prayer. So sign your ketubah in English. Your Hebrew names are in the ketubah. You don't need to then sign your Hebrew names. And also, by the way, traditionally, the bride and groom didn't even sign the ketubah. It was just the witnesses, not even the rabbi, just the witnesses. So I guess you don't have to sign it all. I do suggest you sign it, though. I think it's kind of cool to see your signature from like the day you got married. That's just a personal, like sentimental schmaltzy thing. Okay. Are you planning a Jewish or interfaith wedding? Are you lost on where to even begin planning the ceremony, let alone finding a rabbi to help you? Well, it doesn't matter whether one of you is Jewish or you're both Jewish, you deserve a guide. So take a deep breath. I promise it will all be okay. Welcome to Your Jewish Wedding with Rabbi Leanne. Here, I can be everyone's rabbi, (laughs) yours too. My guests and I will share everything we know to help make your Jewish or interfaith wedding full of tradition and perfectly yours. Hello everyone. Welcome to Your Jewish Wedding Podcast with Rabbi Leanne. I am trying something new today. I was inspired by the one and only Esty from the Bride Tender podcast to try to do a video. I don't know. My camera's not like great, but might be better just in terms of, you know, doing some posts or something. So anyway, I was telling Esty on the podcast recording that we did together, big honor by the way, the Bride Tender podcast, big deal in the wedding industry, podcast space. So grateful that she let me crash her podcast and talk a little bit about Jewish weddings. You know, she's very smart because she uses Zoom to record these podcasts, and it guarantees that her podcast is going to be under 40 minutes long. You know what podcast could benefit from that? The Your Jewish Wedding Podcast with Rabbi Leanne. And is we get long-winded here, and I was telling her, I thought to myself, you know, I talk to couples all the time, We have a, we call it the big phone call, the first big meeting we have about their ceremony. And it lasts an hour and a half. People are like, it lasts an hour. And that's a long phone call. Not for what we talk about. There's a lot of things people don't know. I love to talk about Jewish wedding ceremonies, all the customs and stuff. And so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to put all these long conversations that I wish I could have about each and every custom, I'm going to put them. On a podcast, and I'll just have a whole episode about a chuppah. I'll have a whole episode about the ketubah and how to pick one, and and all that stuff. And maybe it'll be forty five minutes and or an hour. And won't that be nice? Because I don't get that out, friends. This is now the third episode about ketubahs. It probably will be an hour long. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, you know. But like, listen, that's what you're here for. Okay, so. We're all winning, we're all winning, it's fine. So it occurred to me that I had spoken about kachubas and the history, right? It's important to know the history because I personally had been telling people incorrect things about ketubas based on the small amount of stuff that I thought I knew about the history and the contents and whatever, fine. And now I'm actually realizing in the second episode about kachubas which is kachubas for contemporary couples, I didn't even talk about the Lieberman clause. I'm just going to make sure that I put in show notes for this episode, the Lieberman clause. It's just a link. Listen, if you have a question, it's too late to go back now. The second Katuba episode is already posted, but um, I will put a link uh, to... A page that you guys can read about the Lieberman clause. Now, if you have a conservative rabbi, he or she will make sure that you talk about the Lieberman clause when you're talking about your ketubah. It is a very, very cool thing. Maybe I'll have a mini episode on it. If you have any questions, if you are conservative Jews or one of you is a conservative Jew, or you somehow have a conservative rabbi, Officiating your wedding, and he or she is not available to answer this question, send me an email, okay? Your Jewish wedding podcast at gmail.com. I'll answer it. I'll probably answer it as part of the show if it's okay with you. And then we'll have ourselves another little mini episode. Who doesn't need more episodes of your Jewish wedding podcast? Am I right? So, anyhow, so I realize though, in these conversations with couples, one of the biggest questions, the things that they just don't know anything about, because it's not part of a contemporary. American wedding, because most American weddings aren't Jewish. Remember, there's not that many of us, as I keep saying. What is the ketubah ceremony? We have a ketubah. We've thought through all the things. Rabbi Leanne, you checked it. It's getting shipped to us. It's beautiful. We're so excited. We got a ketubah from Nava or from Rochelle or from Forever Ketubas or, you know, whatever celebrity ketubah artist. By the way, mazel tov on that. Very excited for you. And now we have this thing. And you said you're going to bring the pens. And so we know we're going to sign it. But what is that ceremony? And why are you advising that we take 30 minutes to sign this ketubah? I am always asking couples, well, what time is your ketubah ceremony? I have learned that I need to make sure that they understand that there should be a designated spot for the ketubah signing. It doesn't have to be fancy. We'll talk about that in a second. And a designated time that the Kachuba will be signed by every party. And that is something that their wedding planner or their venue or whoever is coordinating the events of that day should also be aware of. I know that it won't take half an hour to sign your Kachuba. Okay. But I still do recommend blocking off that much time for the ceremony. First things first, when it comes to ketubas, I do get nervous about their safety. So after all we've talked about with your ketuba and how important it is and how special it is to you, and let's be honest, how expensive it is, I know that you're paying a lot for that ketuba, and you should, I get nervous about your ketubas' safety because it's a piece of paper. Sometimes it's a canvas. My One of my Michigan brides this past year had it on a canvas. That, yes, is more durable. And I was significantly less worried about that katuba safety. It was a little tricky to find a pen though. Now, one of the ketubah artists actually sent me a message about what pen she recommends for those canvas kachubas. Obviously she knows her stuff. So if anybody has a question about that, drop me a line, send me an email. Okay. And I will tell you what she said. But you have put a lot of time, effort, love into this ketubah. Let's make sure it's safe, okay? Because it is a piece of paper. Sometimes it's got like, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to make sure to ask this question if I have a ketubah designer on the podcast, and I'm hoping to have at least one. So if you are a ketubah designer and you're listening to this, and you want to come chat with me and answer some of my more technical questions about the process of actually creating the ketubah, please send me an email. Your Jewish wedding podcast at gmail.com. We'll talk about it. I don't care if you're like a celebrity ketuba artist. You know, I will consider you a celebrity ketuba artist if you come in and sit on my podcast. I really will because I think that it's such a cool job. Anyhow, it's a fragile piece of paper with fragile artwork. Please, 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 let's protect it. Okay. It is still a piece of art because it's not a contract yet. It is not your wedding contract until you actually sign it. Okay. I understand that. Hearing me say this may make you say, well, Rabbi Leon, it was shipped to me safe and sound in a tube from Israel or from South Carolina or wherever it came from. I'm just going to keep it in there. You might not think this through, and that's why I'm here to help you. That is a risky idea to keep your ketubah rolled up in its tube. So one of my past weddings it was time to sign the ketubah. We had the room all set. We had access. I put the pens there. We found the frame. We put the frame in there. But the ketubah was not with the frame. The ketuba was still at the hotel. Now, I understand that during wedding days, wedding weekends, there are a lot of moving parts in play, and it is very easy to forget things. I wasn't upset because we always work it out, okay? We always make it work, but... I was a little anxious for that ketubah's safety. Yes, I know that it was in its protective tube, but where's the protective tube? You don't always know because it is small, okay? Before we go any further into this, I just want to say, I wanna really encourage you. If you have a lot of people involved in your wedding weekend, obviously you have your attendants, right? Your bridesmaids, your groomsmen, your bridesmen, your groomsmaids, whatever it is. But you also very likely have some family who's going to be really involved in the weekend. Maybe it's your great aunt. Maybe it's your dad's sister-in-law who just really is so excited about the wedding and just needs something to do. Make that person, if you trust him or her, make that person in charge of the ketubah. Okay? That is literally her entire job. It doesn't seem, when I'm saying this, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a big job but it is. She has to get it from your boxes of stuff to the ceremony. And I want your ketubah minder. You make him a list. Okay. If call me, I will help you. Transport the ketuba safely to the venue. Make sure the ketubah is flat and that the frame, it's either in the frame right now or the frame is ready to receive it. And that the ketuba room is clean. These might seem obvious to you now, but there are some of the things that just go by the wayside on that busy, busy wedding day, no shade, no judgment. But if you are also, if you're a wedding planner and you're listening to this you and you are unfamiliar with ketubahs, you don't understand what all goes into the ceremony and you're just kind of waiting for the rabbi to get there and guide you, let me guide you now. Get ready now. Before that happens, because your rabbi, you know, who knows what he or she is going to, when he or she is going to roll in, what they're going to be prepared with. I, I don't like to count on anyone else. No offense, wedding planners. I don't like to count on anyone else to make sure that all the elements are there for the ketubah ceremony to the absolute best of my ability. Right? So... You know, you don't you don't count on the rabbi. The rabbi won't count on you. We'll be double prepared for everything. Nothing will go wrong, and everybody will be happy, God willing. Kind of hard. Okay. Uh, back on track. I have a hunch that one of the reasons that that ketubah was left at the hotel is because it was in its protective. Okay. This ketubah was by Nava Shoham, by the way. Oh. And it was 1,000% perfect for this couple. If I can gush for a second, 1,000% perfect for this couple. Their whole color scheme was based around um, the colors in a peacock's fan, the the feathers. And the theme of the Kachubo uh, went along with those colors, but also there were birds. I think there were maybe herons on it, which this couple loved zoos and they got married in the National Aviary and he actually proposed to her in the wetlands room and I think there were actual herons there. I I was so stunned by how beautiful and perfect this Kachuba was. Well done, everyone. Uh, this Kachuba was amazing and as you can imagine, the couple paid a lot of money for it. It was worth a lot of money. It cost way too much to risk losing it because it was rolled up in its cardboard tube and it could roll under the bed it could get picked up as trash by housekeeping. Halila, God forbid, that it, that should never happen to any of you. So the other issue with the tube, besides being too small and easily lost, is that it was protected, yes, uh, but it's only protected until somebody tried to take it out of the tube Okay, and tried to unroll it. And I say try to unroll it because, okay, you remember those posters that... When we were in junior high and high school, you would go to like Walmart or Target and you'd get the poster of I don't know Dawson's Creek or whatever. I'm old. What did you What did you have posters of on your bedroom walls? And do you remember getting these posters from you know Target or Walmart or Nards or wherever? You get home, you get all excited to hang it up on your wall, and you pull it out of that plastic wrapping, and that thing is still rolled up like you never took the wrapping off. So you're like, okay, I'm really excited to hang this up. I'm going to just roll it the other way or somehow make it flat. Okay. So you were either trying to, what did you do? You were either trying to re-roll it the opposite way. Okay. So you flip it over and try and roll it you know, against the original roll so that it would then by the laws of mathematics and physics in your junior high mind, it would stay unrolled. Um, but you know, I don't know about you guys, but I don't have very delicate hands. I always ended up squeezing it too hard and recreate. So then it's, it is a little flatter, not perfectly flat, by the way, never was, was hundred percent, but it also now had these like creases from where I was like trying to like roll it the opposite way and it like crunched it, you know? So, or you try to do like the wiggle roll thing so that it didn't have the creases, right? So you just do like hand, like side to side, whatever, um, but then the movement of the poster, right, it would cause this tear in the poster. Now, if you're talking about your Power Rangers poster or if you, your periodic table of elements, I know some of you are nerdy enough to have that periodic table of elements poster from your junior high uh, bedroom and more power to you because you're probably a scientist or a doctor now. And so, you know, thank you for your service. But it's all well and good for your periodic table of elements poster in your bedroom. It is not Okay. <laughs> In my opinion, for someone to be trying to flatten out your ketubah the day of your ceremony or like 10 minutes before you're supposed to sign it, it will cause someone to be sort of panicked, rushed. You know, you need to try to flatten this ketubah from its safe little shipping tube when you are calm, cool, and collected. Okay. On your wedding day or on the wedding day, if you're a bridesmaid or sister of the bride or the brother-in-law of the best man or whoever you are, you're sweating. You aren't washing your hands all the time, right? You're, again, you're rushed, don't risk it. Don't risk trying to flatten out that ketubah on the day of your wedding. And don't risk losing it by having it in its compact little tube, God forbid. So here's the thing. When we talked about your ketubah ceremony, If you are one of my couples, I told you I'm concerned for your ketubah's safety. People think that I am very reactionary about this, but it's for a reason. This is one of those ask me how I know situations. So I always ask you, please bring at least a piece of cardboard and a protective plastic sleeve. But guys, please bring the frame. If if it's at all possible for you to bring the ketubahs frame, listen. Even if you have a destination wedding, okay, or or you're you live in New York City but your parents live in Columbus, Ohio, you're coming back to Columbus for the wedding. Get a frame for home and get a frame for Columbus. They're not all that expensive, and your ketubah is way too expensive to risk it. Okay, you can always figure out the shipping or the exchange or whatever later. Okay, when you have some moments in the time between when your ketubah arrives at your home and when you need, when your crazy making pre-wedding time starts. Okay. When you're in your living room and you're calm, you're not rushing anywhere, lay out the frame, take the back off, take your time. Don't bust any of those metal prongs. Okay. Unroll your ketubah. Now I want you to unroll your ketubah Make sure you wash your hands first. I'm not trying to sound like a kindergarten teacher. I'm not trying to sound pedantic here, okay? But It's things people don't think about. Ask me how I know. Wash your hands. Dry your hands. Okay, wave them around in the air. Now gently take your ketubah out of its cardboard tube. You can use the tube if you're confident that it's not like dirty to roll the ketubah in the opposite way. Okay. The ketuba is rigid or the, I'm sorry, the, the shipping tube is rigid. You might even want to get, side note, you might even want to get a completely different shipping tube, the same size that you know is like in pristine condition. Okay. But you're going to be using it on the back of the ketubah anyway, the opposite side. So it should be okay. Use your tube to roll it the opposite way. Okay. So take it out. It's all curled up. Gently flip it over put the tube at the end of the ketubah and start rolling it the opposite way. If you aren't confident about whatever surface you're gonna flip your ketubah over on, it's like even if it's on your table, maybe put like a clean sheet down or a clean towel. We're not taking any risks. Another choice that you can do if you are nervous about trying to re-roll it the opposite way, because you're worried about getting it dirty with your hands or you know it, it tearing, God forbid, or anything like that, unroll it. Get some books or something heavy, okay? Um, I don't know. You guys can think about heavy stuff. Maybe like whatever. It needs to be something clean. If you're not, again, if you're not completely confident about the books that you're gonna use, maybe you have an old dictionary being completely clean, put it in a pillowcase, okay? Now weigh down the ends of your ketuba. leave it there for a few days and it will be flat. It will be crease free. Okay. Obviously, if you have a cat, your cat's mission in life, if it's anything like one of my cats will be to destroy that ketuba God forbid, they'll try and spill water on it or put their little paw prints on it, which you might think are cute when they're on your car windshield, but it is not cute when it's on your ketuba So if you are leaving it out on your table somewhere and you do have a cat or little kids around that you need to worry about schmutzing up the ketuba put a protective, like just get a bed sheet or something, Put something over top of it, maybe even some plastic. How many minutes have I been talking about your ketubah safety? A lot of minutes. Okay, once, <laughs> I'm very serious about it. Once it's flat, put your ketuba inside of its frame. Now, some of you may think, I don't know if any of you are as juberstitious as I am. I'm pretty juperstitious. I don't like talking about things as if they will definitely happen successfully before they've happened. None of that. I don't think that putting your katuba in this frame falls under that category. Listen, if you're very superstitious, maybe get a different frame or like a cheap frame that you're not going to use. So it's not as if you've already signed it or it's not tempting fate or whatever. Why am I telling you to put it in the frame? Number one, the frame usually will have some kind of UV protective whatever on it. And Obviously, it'll be protected while it's inside of whatever frame, barring some freak accident. God forbid. The real thing about the ketuba being in the frame, though, is number one, it makes sure that it's super flat for when you need to sign it. But number two, it's big now. Now it's big. No, Even if you got a tiny ketuba, like the smallest ketubas I've seen are like 11 by 14 or something, you're going to put it in a frame. It's, it's bigger and more ostentatious than it was in that little tube that God forbid somebody might think is trash. You have a ketuba in any kind of frame, nobody's gonna accidentally throw it out. It can't roll under the bed. None of that, okay? It, it's gonna be a lot harder for you to forget that ketuba. Leave it in New York City while you go to Columbus, Ohio and it will be protected, okay? Now, this is the thing that people think I'm very overreactive on, but I really, I mean it, okay? Move your ketuba as little as possible. I don't want it to ride around in anyone's car for longer than one trip. I don't want it to go from the hotel to the venue and then back to the hotel and then back to the venue. None of that. I don't even want it to go from Columbus, Ohio to your parents' house in Cincinnati so they can ship it to you. Leave it with somebody who lives in Columbus, Ohio. If there's somebody you trust in Columbus, Ohio, just have it shipped to him or her. Maybe this is your minder, and that person will be able to do this whole thing that I just prepped you for without you having to worry about it. Personally, I would have to trust that person a whole lot. I can only think of two people that I would trust enough to do that for me. So the other, the last reason that I do recommend having it in a frame is that you will be able to display it if you want to. A lot of people don't think about this, but I don't think I have ever had a couple who did not display the ketubah at either the ceremony, which is traditional, or at the reception afterwards. Actually, this ketubah that I talked about, the one that got left behind at the hotel, but we got it back in time for it to be displayed at the reception. The reception room had this beautiful, solid stone fireplace with a, a big, thick mantle, which meant it was we all felt so much more secure about putting the ketubah up there than on the easel that people typically will use for it. Or even I have an easel that I bring to every wedding just in case. And it's metal. It's not even like rickety or anything. But this fireplace, I was so thrilled to be able to put the, the ketubah up there. So the, that couple chose to display it at the reception because there was a chance of rain. We are in the Midwest of the United States of America. If there is a 10% chance of rain, you need to assume it's going to rain. That's just how it is here. You can plan an outdoor ceremony, but you need to assume that everything at that outdoor ceremony will be rained on. And if you're thinking about your ketubah that way, honestly, even the frame is not enough to protect it if it rains real hard and fast. Okay. So now that I've lectured you about your ketubah safety, like a yenta, Either you appreciate it or you don't. Maybe I'll put here, let me put in the show notes. I'm going to put a timestamp for when you can fast forward to the timestamp and get rid of all my Yenta lecturing. So the signing ceremony question. The most common questions that couples ask me are. Number one, what kind of space do we need? Number two, how much time do we need? Then who should be invited? And then what actually happens during the ceremony? So I'm glad that you asked. Now you're here and I'm going to try my best to answer all your questions. Okay, stop, go back, delete from now you're here. Okay, so do you see why we need a whole episode to go over all this stuff? Number one, first, you can sign a ketubah Anywhere. Are you noticing a theme? If you've listened to all these episodes, what's the theme of Jewish weddings? We can have Jewish weddings anywhere. We are a nomadic people. We it took us 40 years to get to the land of Israel when we finally settled. And after that, guess what? We kept getting kicked out, kicked out. We're, you know, our customs adapted to be portable. Everything's portable. Anywhere we go, we're still Jews. It's fine. You can sign a ketubah anywhere. Now You all probably have some kind of fancy schmancy ketubah. It's custom printed. There's Maybe there's custom art. You ordered it from Israel. It's got gold leaf, whatever it is that makes it fancy. That means that you want to make sure that at the bare minimum, the place you're signing the ketubah needs to have a flat surface that is even and clean. Okay, even because if it's like rough wood planks, for example, you won't have a smooth signing surface and your signatures are going to look funny. Now, you might not care. Okay, I just think that if it's going to be on your wall for the dur- duration of your marriage, which is going to be the rest of your life, you want your signatures to look smooth and beautiful. So, you just need at a bare minimum a room or a space with a flat table that is smooth and clean. So, your ketubah doesn't get dirty, obviously. Okay, please don't have it next to like a pitcher of water or bottles of water. And it, it, this all makes me very nervous because it's artwork. It's, orig- it's, you know, a lot of times we don't want that artwork to bleed. Okay, so I want to encourage you though, above and beyond that, think about finding a space that feels calm and is uncluttered and has a lot of space. The ketubah signing ceremony is one of those moments in every Jewish wedding that almost without fail, there's at least one person that has an emotional moment when that ketubah is signed. It could be like absolutely joyful, but it could also be like verklempt, like they're very, they're tearing up over this. It's a very emotional thing. The other thing that happens a lot is that more people than the couple initially expects ends up rolling into the ketubah ceremony. So just make sure it has some extra space that it's uncluttered so that when someone gets emotional, your photographer gets a good picture of it. By the way, photographers love kachuba signing ceremonies. I think it's because it does it is like a culturally signaling obviously, but also it takes kind of a long time to sign your name on on that kachuba, not a long long time, but certainly longer than for example a kiss at the end of your ceremony, certainly longer than the moment where the glass breaks, right? So it gives your photographer a lot of time to get some really beautiful images of you. Also, a lot of people feel really awkward like doing the signing because it's unfamiliar and it can make for really, really sweet moments and and looks between the couple and sometimes their parents and stuff, okay? So you do not need a beautiful space in order to feel this like emotion or in order to like really nurture it but your photographer will thank you if you have a nice space that's not too cluttered or whatever okay so go on my blog if you want an example of this go on my blog yourohiorabbi.com or ourfavoriterabbi.com go to the moseltop section and look for the post about doctors Rachel and Josh G I will link it in the show notes but it's easy to find Um, So they got married at an art museum and they reserved an entire room for their Ketubah signing. Thank you, Docs. And the photographs of this signing ceremony, I mean, obviously the photographer is very gifted. I've mentioned him on here before. Benjamin Durkin from Dirk's Works Photography in Columbus, Ohio. Absolute fave. His wife, Jennifer, is equally incredible. The photos were just gorgeous. And obviously... You know, Ben can take beautiful pictures anywhere, but it doesn't hurt, right, to have a nice space, to have a nice open space that fits the vibe of your wedding, whether it's cozy or airy or whatever. Just a lot of people underestimate how big the moment is going to be, how big the moment's going to feel. So, you know, try and at least find find a nice-ish room. Now, I have seen Katuba signings in janitor's closets, okay? When that was the case, before the signing happened... And actually the signing at this wedding was an afterthought. It was just something they were going to try and fit fit in around the ceremony, which that was their choice and it's fine, but uh, it did make things a little chaotic. So anyway, the ketubah ended up in the janitor's closet and I just made sure that I pretended to be the photographer and looked at it from the photographer's viewpoint. point. I'm, I brooms out of the way, I snagged a couple of the bridesmaids bouquets and I put them on either side of sort of the space where the ketubah was going to be, it ended up looking fine. You know, no stress. Another question couples have about this particular part is, do we need to be together when we sign the ketubah? The answer is, might surprise you, the answer is no. I have had couples who did not want to make a big deal out of the ketubah signing, and so they just stopped by when they could. They stopped by at different times or when like their mother dragged them and said like, you actually have to do this. Uh, but whatever it was, they, they just knew where the ketuba. Obviously that makes me nervous for reasons of safety for the ketuba. Like I said, I don't like for it to be moved around or taken in and out of a frame, but Anyway, that's not common. Some people do that. It's not common. I have had other couples who wanted to sign the ketubah before the ceremony and weren't going to just leave it up to like whenever we remember, but they didn't want to see each other before the ceremony. Now I've talked about this a lot of times, but we have first looks are such an American thing. They're actually a Jewish thing too. We're going to do that in a separate episode, but the first look, my goodness, there's like five first looks at weddings now. There's like, your first look with your bridesmaids and then with your dad and then with your husband. And then now you're going to have a first look at the reception room. And then you're going to have a first look at your bouquet and on and on and on. There are some couples still in the world who are like, yeah, we're not doing that first look thing. We are going to go the old school traditional route, traditional American route of the groom sees the bride walking for the first time when she walks down the aisle or you see one another the first time when you are arriving at the chuppah, okay? I respect it. So it's fine. We made it work. What we did is we just built a little bit of extra time into that schedule for them to come in at separate times and sign that ketubah. So instead of 30 minutes, we made it 40 minutes. They still had a room. The ketubah stayed in that room. It did not move, Okay. The couple each individually came to the katuba. They brought their parents. They brought their attendants. It was still beautiful and emotional. And it was actually kind of nice because the bride and her mother had a very special relationship and like very, very close. And she brought her mom with her and her mom was just calling and there to support her. And her bridesmaids were as well. It offered me a little bit of an opportunity to talk with people on a different level, also about what was going on. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, and also for this couple, I forgot to mention the the ketubah was so cool. It was very edgy and um, black and gold and cool. And the the groom's dad is an artist, so he did the artwork for the ketubah. And so then when When the groom brought dad in for the ketubah signing, it was like a very emotional moment for dad too. And I want to pause here and and let you know that if you are planning an interfaith ceremony or, or one of you is Jewish, one of you is not, the person who does the artwork for that ketubah does not have to be Jewish. I think I talked about this actually in the last episode, so my apologies if I did, but it is a wonderful opportunity actually for you to involve people in your family and make them part of the actual Jewish part of your wedding ceremony. If they're not Jewish, they don't know nothing from nothing about being Jewish. I can think of at least three couples that I've done weddings for recently that had original artwork by a friend or by a family member or or by themselves for their ketubah artwork, okay? So it, that just makes it all the more emotional. And I think that actually that would make you want to protect it even more, maybe. So long answer, short, no, you don't need to be together for the signing. I do happen to think that it's a little sweeter and a little more fun and a little bit more utilitarian for the purposes of just the flow of the wedding day if you do it together. Okay. And I'll, I'll make sure to mention that a little later too. Um, I don't really care what time, your ketubah ceremony is. I get to weddings like two hours early. I it it doesn't matter. And if you are like Rabbi, can you just try and figure out the time and make sure you stay on top of the time? I'm going to do my absolute best to to make sure that your ketubah ceremony is happening when it needs to happen, et cetera. Okay. Hopefully, I have you have a wedding planner or a day of coordinator or a venue coordinator who I've sent them an email with the ceremony outline, which includes like timestamps and they already kind of know what to expect, but if not, we'll, we'll work it out. It's okay. So how much time do you need for the Ketubah ceremony? Great question. I already mentioned before at least 20 minutes. I know that it doesn't take 20 minutes to sign your names on a piece of paper. A good planner will tell you this. It is going to take at least 20 minutes to get everybody who needs to be at the Ketubah signing at the Ketubah sign, to make sure you have all the pieces that you need to make it happen, to make sure all your witnesses are there. I have seen photographers trying to get groups of people together for photographs. Y'all, it is hurting cats maybe not even cats, if, if they've already been drinking, it's more like herding turtles, okay? Everybody's just sort of enjoying themselves and enjoying the day. And when you need to make sure that there are more than two people in one place at once on a wedding day, it takes a lot of effort and it can take more time than you would ever, ever anticipate, okay? So my ceremony outline with timestamp that I send to your entire wedding vendor team after you've approved it always begins with the Katuba time. And actually, I, Jewish wedding invitations too, a lot of times they will say, you know, celebrate our wedding with us, this date, this place. And then we'll say ketubah, colon, and then the ketubah time, and then ceremony time underneath it. Because it is, it's an, it's an important thing. So, you know, as an aside, when I'm working on a wedding, I think I have this in common with a wedding coordinator or a wedding planner. I'm basically on dad airport mode when it comes to, of the day of, and especially the ketubah ceremony. You know what I mean. You've seen the memes about the dads getting to the airport. You know they need to be there an hour early, so they say two hours. And they, you know, it takes ten minutes to drive there, but sometimes there's traffic, so we're building in forty-five. That's basically me. If you build in twenty minutes for your ketubah ceremony, I think you can be pretty sure that you will get five minutes, right? Because things eat away at that. At that little measure of time. And while I'm typically not under huge time constraints, like if your ceremony starts an hour late, I'm not thrilled about it, but it's whatever other, other parts of your wedding team are not that relaxed about the time, right? So you have 20 minutes blocked off, but because we're herding cats or herding turtles or whatever, it ends up being five minutes, which ends up being exactly as much time as you need to actually sign the thing. Um, so, you know, long story short, I have never had a wedding planner argue with me. Like, do we really need thirty minutes? Do we really need forty minutes for the ketubah signing? They're just happy that somebody is on the same airport dad mode wavelength as they are. In in my experience, so in fact, I love the ketubah ceremony because most people do agree with building in twenty or thirty minutes. The ceremony typically happens between first looks one through five. And, you know, if you're doing private vows, usually that happens first. So the ketubah is kind of like the last stop before the ceremony starts. I know there's a lot of stuff going on on the wedding day, right? I've seen plenty of planners' itineraries. That day is jam-packed. Believe you me, I know. When you are buzzing from hair and makeup to first looks to meeting people who came in on the trolley to your mom's giving you a gift maybe, or you're giving each other gifts or doing, it can feel like your wedding day is like an itinerary for a work day. Of course, you know it's not. That's not what it is. But you've got a lot to do and it can be hard to remember that. So if you're interested in having a built-in excuse and space to breathe before you walk to the chuppah, before you meet under the chuppah, really give that space to the ketubah ceremony, okay? It could be that you haven't sat down, taken a deep breath, eaten anything or drank anything all day, or maybe even since last night. So if you have a room that's big enough with enough accommodations, I suggest that you ask your caterer, you ask your planner to ask your caterer, please bring some snacks that will stay in the far corner until the ketubah is safely back in its frame. If you're having a champagne toast beforehand, all the better. Arrange for some of that to be brought into the ketubah signing room again for after you sign and it's safely back in its frame. That's going to be a little bit of a natural pause and a little pregame before the ceremony. The people in that room are typically, to answer that question, the people who are signing the Ketuba, your immediate family and your close friends. Sometimes it's people who, may, who happen to come in early just because you don't want to leave them standing awkwardly outside while other people go in. But it tends to shake out to be the people in that room are your your nearest and dearest even more so than all the nearest and dearest that you invited to the ceremony so it's nice to have them there you look into their faces the people who are signing the ketubah are there because they are supporting you and they love you like more than anybody else in the world you kind of remember it gives you a chance refocus on what's about to happen okay and you're getting something into your system. You're you're looking into your, your future husband or wife's eyes surrounded by all these people that you love the most. It gives you a pause. Now, speaking of your nearest and dearest in that room, a lot of you have questions about the witnesses. After a short break, we will come back and I will talk about how to choose witnesses for your ketubah signing. Okay. Welcome back. So some people seem to know that there's some kind of requirements for ketubah witnesses. The answer as usual is, are there, are there requirements? Well, yes and no. Okay. I don't personally have an issue if your ketubah witnesses are non-Jewish. The role of the ketubah witness is to be somebody who puts their name in ink, under the promises that you have made to one another. And it's sort of like the vibe of, they're kind of like a godparent for your wedding. Like they are going to hold you to those promises. It is going to be your constant reminder of the people who supported you enough to say, I think that you guys can do this. I think you're built to last. And all these things that you've promised one another in this Ketuba, I think that you are going to follow through on those promises and- I'm going to just sort of keep an eye out and make sure that's happening, okay? If Jewish observance and very specific requirements for what it means to be a Jewish life, if that's not part of your promises to each other, which it's usually not, I don't see why the person has to be Jewish, okay? So if your witnesses are not Jewish, fine. isn't. enjoy yourselves. The other traditional requirement for your Kachiba witnesses is that they are male, obviously. I don't care, okay? Traditionally, that's a requirement for any legal Jewish contract that a male witness signs it, specifically a a male witness who is religious, actually. So because that's a requirement for a legal Jewish contract, I'm just going to be real with you. If you've listened to the last two ketubah episodes, you already know this, but a traditional ketubah covers a Jewish bride and a Jewish groom according to the laws that require the witnesses to be male misogyny aside okay we all know like oh that's misogynistic obviously women are just as trustworthy and knowledgeable enough to sign legal documents obviously obviously okay but aside from that if you are an interfaith couple the ketubah that you're signing is not the same as the ketubah that covered a jewish bride and a jewish groom right so in in my opinion my perspective, that requirement for the person to be Jewish male observant does not apply as it would for a traditional ketubah because your ketubah is not a traditional ketubah. If you're ever concerned about this ketubah being important as a legal document, okay, if the both, if the two of you are Jewish and let's say you you have opted to have just the traditional boilerplate ketubah text, like Orthodox couples have, and you're thinking we might need this to apply for something in Israel, or we might need this down the line to prove that we had a Jewish-Jewish wedding, Wh- whatever your concern is. Listen, people are paranoid. Jews are paranoid about special Jewish things. If you are at all concerned about the future validity of this document in a Jewish legal context, then, then find two men who are Jewish, to sign your ketubah, all right? it People know a lot of Jews. It shouldn't be that big of a deal, okay? But it's not a requirement. Again, that's not a requirement for me. My only requirement, I do have a requirement in terms of your ketubah witnesses. This is a traditional requirement. It's rare for me to have requirements for wedding stuff, guys, okay? If someone is going to sign that ketubah, he or she should not be related to you. The ketubah, as we discussed two episodes ago, I believe it was episode 12 about the background and history of ketubahs did involve an exchange, a monetary exchange or a material exchange, an exchange of material goods as part of the deal. If your sister signed your ketubah and there is a dispute, God forbid, there's a divorce or a dispute about the terms of that ketuba in the future, whose side is your sister gonna be on? Probably not the person you married, It just makes sense. Please try your level best to find a a mutual friend that loves you equally. You know, a super distant cousin-in-law, maybe, I don't know, a coworker, somebody that you care about, who cares about you, who also, you, you also want to have an important part of your day. This is a wonderful opportunity, by the way, because that person is not related to you. It's a wonderful opportunity to give that person a role of honor in your ceremony that you normally would have reserved for a relative or somebody that you, quote unquote, had to you were obligated to give a role in your ceremony. This is a role that that a family member actually cannot have. Great. Another question that a lot of people ask me and they you can tell they're kind of afraid to ask me this because they are afraid of my answer. Do we have to sign in Hebrew, Rabbi? I have not read a Hebrew word since my bat mitzvah. I have not written a Hebrew word, maybe ever. <laughs> I certainly, you know, I could barely remember my Hebrew name. I had to call my grandma to find out she had to dig up my baby naming certificate, whatever it is. Now, I'm signing this Hebrew document. Do I have to sign it in Hebrew? Okay, this has been one of the answers that I Give that has offered the most relief to the people that I work with, Jews and non-Jews alike. It doesn't matter. I tell them, no, you don't have to sign in Hebrew. If you don't want to sign it in Hebrew, don't sign it in Hebrew. Why? Because Jews have been doing stuff, religious stuff, in the vernacular language for hundreds and thousands of years. Side note: You know that prayer, the Kaddish, okay, mourner's Kaddish, hatzi Kaddish, whatever. You could all be okay. That prayer is not even in Hebrew. It's It is in Hebrew letters, but it's in Aramaic because that was the vernacular at the time they came up with that prayer. So sign your ketubah in English. Your Hebrew names are in the ketubah. You don't need to then sign your Hebrew names. And also, by the way, traditionally, the bride and groom didn't even sign the ketubah. It was just the witnesses, not even the rabbi, just the witnesses. So I guess you don't have to sign it all. I do suggest you sign it, though. I think it's kind of cool to see your signature from like the day you got married. That's just a personal, like sentimental schmaltzy thing. Okay. You know, I just want to say this. I understand that a lot of this stuff, you know, it might not feel right. You know, I say that my my promise to you is that your wedding ceremony will be authentic, vibrant, and inclusive. And authentic is a loaded word. okay? Authentic to a lot of people can mean the way that things are done the or the right way to do things. So that's why it's one of the reasons that this podcast is actually so important to me to help people understand that, you know, number one, there is not one right way to do things, which we say in every single episode, but also that there are many different ways of doing things that come from old traditions. So authentic, there are many, many ways of doing things. And those ways are for good reasons. Those ways are for reasons you can connect to. Just because there's common American Jewish knowledge about, quote unquote, the way things are done does not mean that that is accurate. Okay, so please hear this with an open heart and open ears. What's commonplace in our lives is what becomes holy. The things that you understand on a deep level right? So the language you speak, the language you dream in, that is the language that you will experience the most important parts of your life in. The experience itself is holy. The fact that you're making these promises to one another, the fact that you're doing it through this ancient document, the fact that you have two people, minimum two people in your life who care enough, who love you equally to sign this and back you up on this commitment that you're making, that's holy. Whether or not they can copy some Hebrew letters that your rabbi brought on a sheet, that's not holy. I mean, it's kind of cool. It's impressive. And by the way, I have like a template ready to go that if you or your guests even think you might want to sign your names in Hebrew, I will bring it in super large font, the Hebrew. I will bring a separate sheet for everyone. They can practice on the back. They can practice underneath it. I encourage you to sign in Hebrew if that is something that feels important to you. But the key is that it feels important to you. If it gives you stress, if it gives you anxiety, I don't want you to do it. Now, I got married after my first year of rabbinical school. I wanted things done a certain way. I wanted, I I actually hand wrote my own ketubah. I wanted it done right. And my poor husband, like he had spent over a year Learning in Israel, he could read and write in Hebrew. He could sign his name in Hebrew. He had signed his name on like the water bill in Hebrew. You know, like he he could do it. It was not a big deal. You know, we both were proficient in that area. Okay, he went to sign his name. He signed it wrong, guys. He messed up. I can't even remember now. I remember how it felt because I was standing next to him watching him sign it. I remember how it felt when he did make a mistake. But now, you know, it's been 19 years. I I don't remember what the mistake was. I remember being grateful that I had done the I had done the artwork and the whole thing for the ketubah, so that I knew how to go back and fix it. That's that was my number one most overwhelming thought. Okay, so even if somebody has lived in Israel, signed their name to documents upon documents, and was really proficient writing in Hebrew script, even if it if that person's getting married on that day, he or she might not be in a state, hand might be shaking, whatever it is. It's a big day. Okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I, I don't want you to have the feeling, not that I regret it for myself, because it was a pretty funny memory, honestly. Um, I don't want you to look back on your Ketubah ceremony necessarily. And, recall the feeling of anxiety or shaking or worrying you're going to do it wrong. Okay. Just ask yourself, talk about it as a couple, talk about it with your rabbi or whoever is officiating your wedding. If you're at all concerned, just make a decision. If it's bringing you any stress, just make a decision to sign it in your vernacular language. Okay. That's okay. Your name, as I said, is already printed in the ketubah up above. Nobody's going to be stressed that they can't read your signature perfectly or whatever it is. Okay. So, now, look, this episode is already, my glory, is already almost an hour long. This is what happens on this podcast. You're If you're here on episode 14, you you know what you got into, okay? Um, no apologies. We're going to take another short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the actual ceremony for the Ketubah signing. What happens now that we've talked about making sure your Ketubah is safe, making sure you have witnesses, making sure you have the room. What actually happens in that ceremony when we get back? Okay, welcome back. What happens in the ketubah signing ceremony? Obviously, the ketubah gets signed. Okay. There are more options, but the bare minimum is you just got to sign the thing, honestly. We can make it more of a thing. And this is sort of the first example of what people really want for their guests to have an explainer for a lot of the time, okay? We will talk about all this if if you plan your wedding ceremony with me, we will go through all your choices and some things to fill that space if that's something you're concerned about. If you feel awkward about signing your name in silence, it's something a lot of people don't think about, but it always happens and it's awkward and the room feels very quiet like a library. (laughs) So I usually offer for my couples that, do you want me to chat? Do you want me to give explainers? Depending on the vibe of the wedding, if it's, if it's jokey and humor, then, you know, maybe we'll make jokes, um, whatever it is. If you would like me to talk about the significance of your ketubah, especially the artwork while you're signing, that's another way that we can chatter chatter to fill that weird feeling space, okay? Sometimes the couple likes to let their guests ask questions in real time. If you trust the people who are going to be in that ketubah room to not be inappropriate or weird. Okay. Because we did talk about the Ketubah, including some things about intimacy. If you feel confident that nobody's going to make a crass joke or ask a crass question, then you can give your guests free range to ask me anything. Right. And I will answer to the best of my ability there. If I don't know, I'll say, I don't know. Okay. So Another option for this is beyond the explainers and beyond uh, letting your guests ask questions. Uh, the I almost always offer is, I do the explainer. The Ketuba talks about real life obligations, as you know, if you've listened to the last two Katuba episodes, the, the two of you are making to one another, and they are, you know, things like we're going to support one another and and we're going to make sure that we have fun together and that we you know, give to charity or that we always have a dog or that we never go to bed angry or whatever that is. They're very like real life examples. So again, once again, if you trust the people who are going to be in that room, I can offer to ask them to contribute suggestions for things that you promise one another, real life things. If that room is full of couples whose romances and life stories you admire as a couple, And you trust them to have some wisdom for you, whether it's like funny wisdom or or actual wisdom, you know, like make sure that the coffee's the perfect temperature when he wakes up or, you know, make sure that she always has extra fluffy socks in the drawer, whatever it is. Sometimes it can be funny, like, you know, happy wife, happy life. And especially if people have been drinking a little bit, sometimes it can be more like cliched. Make sure you both give 100%. It's not 50-50. You know, you've heard all these things. If you trust your family members to sort of, or the people in that room to, to give the feedback that will feel good to you, then that's something we can do. I imagined that more of my couples would opt for this than the ones that do. Family, listen, families are complicated. Things can be weird at weddings. I 1000% recognize that. Ask me how I know, you know. Um, so you don't have to do anything like that either. The other option is, I could just read through the ketuba while you're signing it or your officiant can. Just while you're signing it, there's that, you know, pin drop library silence that happens in a lot of ketubah signing ceremonies. Sometimes people's guests are like really chatty and they are just chit-chatting and it's almost like, you know, nothing nothing all that big of a deal is going on. But if you do have that pin drop silence, which is more common than not, uh, you could just have somebody read through the contents of the ketuba. Now, I'm not Suggesting that somebody bends over your shoulder while you're signing it and reads it from the ketuba. First of all, you know I'm concerned about what? I'm concerned about the safety of that ketuba. The more people who are breathing on that ketuba, the more nervous I am. So bring, if you want to do this option, bring a copy of the text of your ketubah, print printed out in large font. The more we talk about readings and stuff at weddings, I am gonna say this a cajillion times. In large font. And maybe even laminated. I'm just going to say it. I know I sound like a PTO mom. Okay. Maybe even laminated. I don't want anyone to be reading anything off of their phone. I say this with the full knowledge that photographers hate it. When you or anybody is reading anything important from the screen of your phone, you all know what the screen of that phone emits. You know, because you know, you're not supposed to be looking at it before bed. Don't you? I just started tangent time. I just started on this little personal journey of really trying hard to stop looking at my phone like an hour before bed. It's not easy. Okay. But we all know it's the blue light. The blue light is what messes up our sleep cycles. It's what makes our sleep not as deep as it should be. It's what makes us cranky the next day. And it's what makes your face ugly when the photographer is trying to take a picture of you reading something important. Stop. Don't do it. If you are reading anything during your wedding ceremony, don't read it off your phone. Okay. That was a little me. That was a little rant. Back on track. Whoever is reading your ketubah text should not be reading off of a phone. Now, some of you have seen ketubah ceremonies and pictures of a ketubah ceremony, ketuba signings, where there is a thing with the handkerchief. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's actually the same thing as the thing with the handkerchief that they do when they're dancing and getting lifted on the chairs at the wedding reception. Each, each member of the couple is holding one little corner of the same handkerchief. You're holding it up in the air together. What is that? You've come to the right place to ask. This is related to Kinyan. The last episode, episode or two episodes ago, episode 12, We talked about kinyan, which is the idea that by signing the Kachuba, you all are acquiring the privilege to be in a new kind of relationship with one another. That's what you're signing for. Okay. But the Kachuba is pre-written. Possibly, we've heard of this happening plenty of times. I'm not going to name any names, but kind of a famous family. This has been like an issue that has come to light where someone says, oh, here's something. I just need you to sign it. Just sign this. Just it's, Don't worry about what's in it, Just sign it. Of all things, God forbid, we do not want that to happen with your ketubah. And there's this idea that it's kind of easy for that to happen. Side note, there's another custom of leaving one letter out of your ketubah. And if you get your ketubah from ketubah.com, they specifically ask this question in your little form that you fill out that goes into their database. Do you want the ketubah to be left incomplete? Why? Because it is a tradition to have the rabbi or your witness complete the ketubah on the spot to prove that it was not signed at a different time or place that it says it was. So interesting. If you guys are like fascinated by legal minded stuff at all, you will find this so cool. I have had a couple of my couples participate in that particular custom. But anyway, we want to make sure that the people who are signing the ketubah really understand that what they're about to sign, what's in it, okay? So in order, so I found this explanation for Kenyan and what the handkerchief thing is online. I will put a link to it in the show notes. The explanation from the link I posted in the show notes is this, in order to seal all of the stipulated obligations, And to assure that the document is not asmachta, which means based on speculation. We're just assuming what's in it, right? We don't want that, right? We want to make sure the people signing it actually read it. The rabbis in Jewish law required the legal formality of kinyan, the act of acquisition, which we talked about. Because the bride cannot take possession of all the property, oh, interesting, the groom affirms it by a symbolic act called kinyan sudar. Okay. Thus at the wedding, the rabbi or one of the witnesses gives a handkerchief on behalf of the bride to the groom. When the groom picks up that handkerchief, that indicates that he physically is present and fully accepts and understands the terms in that ketubah. So then if the ketubah is not finished, that's when they finish the word vikanina inside that Traditional ketubah, meaning we have completed the act of acquisition of Kenyan. The symbolic act of passing this item must be seen clearly by the witnesses. So, this act of passing the handkerchief or whatever the object is has to be seen by the witnesses so that they know when they sign the ketubah that everybody agreed to everything, whatever. If the ketubah is calligraphed by a scribe or printed in advance, they just leave out one letter, like I said, of that of that one word so that the ketubah is technically not completed before this little ritual is made. If this custom is overlooked, it does not alter the ketubah's validity so long as the witnesses, in fact, witness the transfer of the handkerchief or the object. Okay. So it's interesting, interesting custom. And I like to encourage couples to do this in, in a slightly different way. Forget about the whole interface between the the witnesses and 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 whatever it is, um, I have started bringing the handkerchief. I bring a lot of handkerchiefs anyway because sometimes people cry, obviously at weddings. Sometimes people sweat. I always have handkerchiefs on me the whole time. I'm wandering around before your wedding, obviously under the chuppah. Um, anyway, so I just use one of those plain white handkerchiefs. Now, if you are really invested in this particular ritual, you can bring your own if there's like an heirloom handkerchief by all means, please. However, it's kind of tricky because it shouldn't really belong to either one of the parties, right? So that's why I bring my own handkerchiefs. There's nothing special. It's just a white handkerchief. It's whatever. And you can keep it if you want. Um, but the last... Wedding, no, two weddings ago that I did this. um, Somebody in the room was like already crying before the ketubah ceremony, so the handkerchief got passed back to that person to to deal with like the tears and whatnot. Anyway, very sweet. Um, I usually have just been laying the handkerchief on top of the ketubah so that the two of them have to pick it up in order to sign right? So it's not possible that they're going to sign this Kachuba. It's not possible that they're not going to read it. When they pick up the handkerchief, the text of the Kachuba is underneath it. So I explain all that. I explain that it really is just another layer of making sure that we all understand what we're about to sign. Because if we are going to involve a legal document as part of this you know, marriage ritual, we want to make sure that Everybody agrees to it with a whole heart that there is some sentimental nuance and meaning to what they're about to sign because who wants a wedding to feel like a real estate deal? No, it's not, right? It's not what it is. And so we, I like the idea of adding layers to it That make it more than that, that sort of force that attention, force the focus and and being present in that moment, you know, not just holding the pen, but physically engaging with this with this document. So I do like that meaning of it, right? That that it makes sure that we all know exactly what we're gonna sign. I have seen some very cool reimaginings of this ritual. So you know, tradition tells us it's a handkerchief. I I do like the handkerchief. By the way, because it does make a great photographic moment, it's kind of it's awkward. It's not something that you typically do with your beloved. And I think it just gives like a moment of levity. And usually the couple will give very sweet looks to one another. They're a little, they feel a little awkward, they feel a little excited. It's that moment, right? Once again, the photographer loves it. I'm not trying to like do everything for the photographer, right? Life is not for the gram. We all. I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying the more moments you can create that are easy for your photographer to find and capture emotion, especially in looks between the two of you, right? Because there's so much going on that day. Any opportunity that we can offer to your photographer to really capture that, man, so much more the better, you know? So, But I have seen this handkerchief thing be modified by contemporary couples to be like a sack Like a little satchel, like maybe it's like a silk bag. Oh, and if you come from a different culture than your spouse, your beloved, it could be that it's like, maybe if you're Indian, you know, maybe this is a sari cloth or maybe it's a bag made of like Chinese silk or like in an auspicious color or something like that, right? So many ways to add this little element of your ketubah ceremony to include different cultures. If there is a specific not only color, but like type of fabric that is significant for whatever culture one of you is from, all the more so included here, okay? But I have seen this modified to be like a little sack or a little bag where each person getting married adds something into that sack that represents him or herself. So it's like their favorite necklace or a video game controller or... I don't know what it is. What's important to you? What objects are important to you? Like, what would represent me? Maybe a book, like maybe a book that that person loves. Obviously make sure that the bag is big enough for the object you're putting inside, but that represents you, that represents, you know, your role in the relationship, what you're going to bring to this household. Put it in the bag and then both of you pick up the bag at the same time to show that you accept what the other person is bringing to the table. Right, So that's actually a really cool interpretation on the Kinyan ritual, the acquisition ritual, because it's not like one of you is paying for the other one. It's not like super legalistic. It's saying, this is what I'm bringing to the table. I will always choose to have a quiet night at home reading a book over anything else. You know this about me. I'm emphasizing it. And everything else that comes from loving a person who loves books, right? Interesting conversations, you, discovering new things, maybe picking up a habit or maybe being encouraged to, to grow a habit of reading, right? Oh, it could be like an exercise watch. It could be like a cool kitchen gadget. It could be a little um, leash because one of you is bringing your dog to the relationship, okay? It could be like a house key for your new house, Or tickets to a vacation. I don't know if I would recommend that. It's something to really think through, right? It could be like a a fancy menorah because it's really important to you that you celebrate the Jewish holidays, and one of you is bringing that from your family, and you know we're acknowledging that that means a lot to you. And I, I would almost rather it be representative of that person's like quirks um, or something unique about that person. And then when you pick it up, you are saying to that person. I know that this is part of the deal and I accept it with a whole heart. And to signal my acceptance, I'm signing the ketubah now. So cool. The, it, again, even cooler, the photographer loves it. Those objects that you add into the bag, it could be the photographer wants to do a whole different flat lay. Do you guys know what a flat lay is? I learned this when I joined the, the wedding professional community. It's just a picture of all the important stuff that was a part of your wedding. And Jews have a lot of stuff. We we love our ritu- ritual objects. There is that vibe in Judaism that like a thing that you use for a happy occasion, like absorbs the vibes of that happy occasion and it becomes important. Pretty much anything can become an heirloom, right? So the flat lays are very cool, the flat lay photos. I know people like to knock them and say, oh, flat lays are useless. Well, maybe if you come from a culture that doesn't care about stuff, but guess what? A lot of cultures do care about stuff. Heirloom stuff we're passing down, stuff we're, we're contributing to the ceremony, which we will talk about more and more as we go deeper into the ceremony, especially with regards to like the chuppah and stuff that happens during the ceremony. So I do think also, if you're having an intentional ketubah ceremony, so this really does, the reason that we do things with our bodies as rituals is because, you know, things that we do, actions can feed into emotions and can feed into mood, okay? When we pick something up together, when we willingly uh, share the burden of something, when we uncover the ketubah together by picking up that handkerchief together, right? Right. It does signal a transfer of mood and intention, right? It feels significant. If you are people who love symbolic stuff, consider doing this like little Kenyan moment, this picking up the handkerchief, this transfer. I have been sort of piloting the whole handkerchief thing in the last few weddings I did. Nobody really argues with me. People don't seem upset or unsettled by it. And and in fact, they really like it. I am asking every single couple, is this something you're interested in doing? Once again, the purpose of our phone call is so that things that might have sounded weird to you yesterday, now you understand them a little better. Now you can, even if you don't make a decision on that first call, very few couples make all their their decisions, you know, during that first call. That um, you at least have the information to think about it and to, and, and to ask more questions even, right? Because that's what being Jewish is all about. You know, ask more questions, right? Otherwise, you're not participating. So, uh, yeah. So, just think about it, right? This is why I like the Ketubah ceremony as a whole. It does offer that little solemn transition between makeup, pictures, shenanigans, drinking, you know, and the seriousness of what you're about to walk into. When you two stand under the Chubba together, it is like the universe holding its breath and you are at the center of the universe. Obviously, The next episode, we're going to talk about the origins of the chuppah. The one after that, we're going to talk about making your chuppah your own. You will hear about all the significance of it. But before you get there, really, I encourage you to be, if this speaks to you, to please be intentional with your ketubah ceremony. You know, make it a thing. Think about what you want, your final moments. That sounds like that sounds like, like a jail sentence, doesn't it? Think about what you want those last few moments before the two of you stand up in front of everybody and make that commitment, before you stand under the chuppah, that Jewish symbol of the chuppah. What do you want those moments to be like? And what do you want to, to fill them? You don't want it to be people poking around on their phones. You don't want it to be people standing awkwardly around, you know, you want it to be something that lets you move into that space without it being like in just another time slot on the itinerary. And so I know it can, it might sound a little ironic because it literally is a time slot on the itinerary and in most of the weddings that I officiate, but the, that it does, it serves a purpose and it gives you that space. So even though you don't need 30 minutes to sign a ketubah, give yourself 30 minutes for that experience. Okay. This is something serious that the two of you are doing. You're getting married. I don't need to lecture you on how serious that is, right? You're planning a wedding for goodness sakes. Okay. A few last questions. What order do we sign the ketubah? in? a lot of times the lines will just have, um, you know, bride, bride, groom, groom underneath. Um, Rabbi, witness, witness. So the only consideration that I usually make sure of before we begin is, is anyone left-handed? Because as you may know, when you have a left-handed person, there there's like palm drag across the document sometimes, and we want to make sure we do everything we can to guard against smears. So if you're officiating uh, or if you're just planning for your own ketubah signing ceremony, something that an extra handkerchief or a piece of clean paper is good for is putting underneath the signer's hands. So we don't have any of that palm drag, for, drag from either direction. Okay. I like to usually do the witnesses first and then the couple. And then while the couple is doing their little chat and like, Oh, we did it. And like family celebrating, then I kind of just quietly take it to the side or just quickly sign it there after the couple's done. And then I personally escort the ketubah back to its frame. What kind of pen do we need? I will bring you a pen. I'll actually bring two pens. They come in a little two pack. And just in case one of them is a dud, I always bring more than one. It's another case of ask me how I know. The pens that I bring are archival, acid-free, bleed-proof, permanent, all that, fraud-proof. I will link in the show notes the pens that I've been using and um, the pens that that Katuba artist recommended me on Instagram too. For the canvas ketubas, which I asked her about. Um, okay. So that you have access to what exactly those pens are is very important because you don't, again, you just don't want anything to mess it up, right? So what happens after the ceremony? So you signed it, your officiant or whoever is in charge of the cer- oh, the photographer's taking her pictures somebody has made sure your ketubah minder or your rabbi or whoever has gotten that ketubah back safe and sound into its frame, perhaps even to its next destination, which could be display next to the chuppah or at the reception. You guys chill. Maybe you have brought champagne in there or snacks. You know, if you're, you are not drinkers i'm certainly not a drinker a lot of people aren't especially you know the older we get we can't really drink so much so i do see a lot of uh weddings that taking full advantage of the party spirit for the entire day zaigazant more power to you but after you sign you guys just chill out you have your champagne um i will coach people on either if you have some wine or some snacks i i invite people to do a lahiyam if it feels right maybe a little mazel Tov. some people like to take the framed ketubah and have the couple hold it the photographer likes to take pictures again um if you had anyone who arrived early at the ceremony, or there are people who are at your ketubah signing ceremony that are there because you really value that they're at your wedding, but you haven't had a lot of opportunity to interact with them. It's a chance to greet them. You have a special moment with them. They feel special. And then maybe they're less concerned about like cornering you at your reception. You know, Um, What happens finally? What happens if the worst happens and you do not sign your ketubah? Maybe, like I said, you didn't just forget it at your hotel. You forgot it at your apartment in New York city. And now your whole wedding is in Columbus, Ohio. And you just don't have your Ketuba. You, you only realized this morning, by the way, so you didn't even have a chance to overnight it. Okay. Tough times. What happens if you don't sign the ketubah? Nothing. Like nothing, nothing, nothing bad happens. It's okay. Like, I I understand like that sounds terrible, right? Especially because, and you're like, then why did we go through all this trouble if it's not important? You guys know why it's important to have a ketubah and to have it signed and whatever. We've gone through that for like three hours now, okay? The ketubah, however, is just one factor that makes your Jewish wedding quote unquote legit. Okay, yes, it's an important traditional symbol. Yes, I still want you to have that ketubah signed and it's okay, all right? You can sign it later. Most of you who are not basing any of your activities or decisions on whether or not you've signed the ketubah. This will just be a funny story. Oh my gosh, can you believe we left the ketubah in the apartment in New York City? And actually, fun fact, our ketubah was signed 12 days after our actual wedding. Fine. You guys can work out what to do exactly if you've forgotten it, if you're freaking out, if mom's freaking out, whatever. And I will be there to in person, or hopefully your rabbi will be there in person or whoever's officiating will have listened to this podcast and will be ready to say, it's okay. Everything's fine. You know, at the wedding that they left the ketubah in the hotel, the time for signing the ketubah, the time for the ceremony came and went. The ketubah was nowhere to be found. There was a little bit of rushing around, but when the bridesmaids realized That it was back at the hotel and they weren't going to be able to get it to the venue, the ceremony venue in time for the chuppah time to start. I was there to say, it's okay. No big deal. We will figure it out. There are so many worse things, God forbid, that could happen on your wedding date. This is, it's okay. You know, eventually they did get the ketubah back from the hotel. It was after the chuppah time. And the couple had a beautiful sweetheart table already set for them. They were gonna sit there all through dinner and we just cleared it off a little bit and signed the ketubah there. It's okay. It's absolutely fine. So the most important thing is to, no matter what happens, remember that today is a snapshot in time. Everything that happens today will be a memory tomorrow. If something goes awry with your ketubah, God forbid, despite our best efforts, despite listening to this podcast, and I'm here to tell you, Terrible things happen to Ketubah sometimes. It's okay. It can be replaced. It can be re-signed. And God willing, the worst thing that will come of that is that you guys will have a memory of being stressed in the moment, but ultimately realizing that everything is fine and you are still married and you still love one another and you're still building a beautiful home together and making a beautiful impact on the world. It's okay. We'll figure out the Katuba thing. All right. If you don't have the Kachuba, like if you realize that it got left in your apartment in New York City and you're just in the room, hey, remember, you still have snacks and champagne, which is another reason I recommend lining that up, okay? It still is that moment when you can connect with one another, you can connect with those guests, you can prepare to walk to the chuppah together. Oh, do you hear that? The construction outside of my house has started. That is my signal to wrap it up. So let's do that. Remember. There are a lot of details I shared in here about your kachuba ceremony. The most important thing remains about planning your wedding and all the ceremonies that go with it is that you are all in on the details of it. You understand what's going on. You're okay with it. It's something that you've made an intentional decision on. If no matter the configuration, don't let anyone tell you what has to be true, what doesn't have to be true. Hopefully you have a confident officiant Clergy member, rabbi who can step in. And if there's any busybodies or anybody who's getting inordinately stressed about your ceremony, they can say, It's okay. Because it will be okay. You guys are going to have a beautiful day. And your ketubah ceremony can be a very sweet and special part of it, but it's just one part of it. But please don't try to roll it back to flat on the spot. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I have shivers down my spine just thinking about it. Okay. That's it for today. Remember, I love subscribers. I love, love reviews. I would love for you to review the podcast. Follow me on Instagram. You can find me at your Jewish wedding podcast on Instagram. You can find me, the person me at your Ohio Rabbi on Instagram. Follow me for updates on everything. Obviously, drop me a line, say hello. If you need help with anything, let me know. If you have a suggestion for a guest or a topic for the podcast, let me know that as well. Of course, you can always email me at your Jewish wedding podcast at gmail.com. I really want to hear from you. I'm going to renew my call for real life Jewish wedding stories. So it could be if you have had a Jewish wedding and you want to tell me about it, you just want a dish. You know, my friend Esty, whose podcast I was on a couple of days ago, she just got married less than two years ago. She's still loving her memories of her beautiful, beautiful wedding. Or if you got married 60 years ago, you you live with your grandma and she is always telling you cool things about when she got married, whether it was her first wedding or a second one or third one, Whatever. I really want to grab as many stories of real Jewish weddings as I can. My mission with this podcast is to obviously offer some education, background, some things to think about when planning, but also to really drive home the point that, guys, there is no one way to do any of this Jewish wedding stuff, and you should really feel free and really feel validated in doing it however you want, and hopefully those real Jewish wedding stories will help us just bring that awareness to everyone. So it's going to be okay. All right. Until next time. Well, everyone, I have had the best time being your rabbi for this episode. I'm so glad you joined me for another little bit of insight into planning your perfect Jewish or interfaith wedding. Until you can smash that glass on your big day, you'd might as well smash that subscribe button for this podcast. I don't want you to miss a single thing. Remember, You can always find me, Rabbi Leanne, on Instagram at, at, yourohiorabbi, all one word, for even more tips, tricks, recommendations, and wisdom on Jewish weddings. If you want to work with me on your wedding, you'll find all the info you need at yourohiorabbi.com. Until next time, remember, you deserve the perfect wedding for you. Don't settle for anything less.